passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, it is Monday, June the 5th. 2023. John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting for another roller coaster week at Post Wrestling. How are you, Wei? I'm good. A roller coaster. Why? Uh, you know what? We have ups. Makes me nervous. We have downs. We have uh, twists, turns, tears of joy, vomit. It all is present here mm. at Post Wrestling on a weekly basis. Well, life is a roller coaster anyway. So, all right. Looking forward to it. Well, you know what I'm looking forward to is this entire month of June might be uh, might only be a 30 day uh, month, but we have plenty packed into this month. You know, way when I get stopped in the street, you know what the number one question is? What's that? Number one is, do you know where waiting is? Number two is, man, tell me more about the post wrestling cafe. And I say, you know what? I would love to tell you more about the post wrestling cafe, the uh, the IV drip that is the lifeblood here at post wrestling. That's what we really should have called it instead of a the cafe. We were going to go with, uh, yeah, IV drip. IV drip, yeah. This month, man, we are stacking things big. This is your chance to get in on all of the fun, all of the action that is just too adult for the, the free consumers out there. This is behind the, the beautiful cafe wall where this month we are going to be coming at you live multiple times each week, including – a double shot every single Wednesday night this month. We will be doing the double shot after Rewinded Dynamite each Wednesday night to coincide with that week's edition of Dark Side of the Ring. So cafe members know that last week we did a, a review of the Chris and Tammy episode. And this Wednesday, as soon as we're done Rewinded Dynamite, we will flip over to the cafe chatting the Magnum TA episode, which Wayne and I will be watching on Crave on Tuesday night. That, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. Then we will be continuing that each Wednesday night at roughly 11 Eastern. So listen to Rewind to Dynamite and then flip on over to the double shot. As always, you will be getting Rewind to SmackDown each and every Friday, sometimes with Rampage, sometimes without. We will tell you every Wednesday night whether one will be included or not. Last week, we did Rampage. This week, we'll find out if we'll be doing Rampage. I think it largely depends on the card. That's a, it's up to you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. let, let us know, AEW. Plus, this month, you can look forward to special shows, including the Ask Away mail, mailbag, always a popular one, two editions 
of Rewind Away, and it's going to be ROH month on Rewind Away, starting off with Best in the World 2011, which will be dropping next week. And then in a couple weeks' time, Super Card of Honor number seven from 2013, an event that you and I attended, Way, featuring Kevin Steen and Jay Briscoe, a very famous match in both men's careers in Ring of Honor. So Ring of Honor month on Rewind Away. Plus, this coming Thursday, it's the return of the watch along maybe our most successful uh dumb idea that we have come up with in in years where the two of us sit down with who else brandon from new jersey and we spin the wheel and we are going to watch something and we put it out to you we let you guys throw in your two cents of what would you like us to watch we got some great ideas and way has whittled it down and made to me what is in all in all uh honesty the best and only choice that we could make. So wait, what are we going to watch this Thursday night for all cafe members to tune in and watch with us? Well, let me first say um, thank you to everybody who, uh, you know, sent us an email, left a comment and, or left a tweet, just suggesting um, something for us to watch along. I mean, a lot of people, you know, following within the confines of, I think the, the regulations, we wanted something about roughly an hour. Um, and some people came through with really interesting choices, um, you know, various wrestling matches. Uh, somebody recommended like a UWF show. Uh, somebody recommended, um, you know, Wrestling Society X. A lot of people recommended TV shows. And uh, these were like, you know, more so cameo appearances from wrestlers like a Thunder in Paradise or a Boy Meets World. These are all great choices. Even Jericho on The Masked Singer, somebody recommended that. All great choices. We definitely went the TV route, but we ended up going around completely away from professional wrestling. I mean, I think it is tangentially related simply because we talk about this show all the time and John and I have absolutely no idea what it is, but we have an expert who is also going to be on the show with us in Brandon from New Jersey, who is going to join us to teach us all about Vanderpump rules. Yes. Vanderpump rules. That will be the subject of our watch along. I've never seen an episode before. I just read a description the other day and I, I'm flabbergasted why this thing is the ratings juggernaut that it has been killing, killing professional wrestling. Okay. If there's really one threat to the industry, it is Vanderpump rules. So we're going to find out what it's all about. And Brandon's going to teach us all about it. Diehard fan himself. Yes. Now, when we say we're going to watch Vanderpump rules, how many episodes are we watching? We're not watching the whole series. We're watching one episode and we're watching the episode. Okay. Okay. The this episode season 10, episode 15 Scandoval. Okay. And I want to thank Gruns Gruns for the suggestion. We also had uh, somebody else. Uh, Brian Crane also recommended an, an edition of uh, vendor pump rules, but we're going to go with the one that is the uh, ratings high of the entire season. The one, shall I go through a, a summary, John? All oh, right. please, please. Spoilers. Pump Rules, Season 10, Episode 15, okay? Cameras pick back up after Ariana discovers that her boyfriend of nine years is having an affair with one of her best friends. Swar Schwartz panics when the scandal threatens to append their business. Sandoval comes clean with another shocking secret. Jeez, wow. Okay. And this is an hour? I think so, yes. Okay. So this will be the first time I have ever seen Vanderpump Rules. I have alerted Brandon. His response was, dear God. And I'm looking forward to watching this mainly with with Brandon, but also with you, Wei. You and I are going into this as unassuming and unknowledgeable as possible. 
for yeah. this series as we will uh we will find out what what led to this uh, to this um show getting a, a 1.81 with women 18 to 49 last wednesday and we're going to rely on Brandon from New Jersey to recap the first 10 seasons of uh, the Vanderpump Rules for us in probably about the opening you know, credit scene. Two minutes. Yeah, exactly. So looking forward to that. I'm assuming a lot of you guys either watch the show or don't watch it. Maybe you guys can join us and tag along Thursday. Have we decided the time yet? Let's go with um... – I know it's an awkward uh, – What can we aim for like 8.15 p.m. Eastern time? I would say 8. Eight's going to be tough, but 8.15, I'll be good. 8.15, okay. Sure. Is that okay? Yes. Is that a weird yes. time to start? No, Give 8.15. Give me a little, a little buffer because 8, yeah. it'll just make me uh, rushing. No problem. Let's do it. So there you go. $6 a month gets you access to all of these bonus shows. Double shots. Rewind to SmackDown. The Watch Along. Ask Away. Two hey. Rewind Aways. Also, and- the the return of MCU later this month with Rich Fan and WH Park. They'll be talking about Secret Invasion on MCU later. Uh, it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to having this back. I might even join, you know, on occasion for one of these episodes. And uh, yeah, uh, a ton of stuff this month. And don't forget the G1 just, just around the corner as well. The G1 is just around the corner, but also launching this month. Exclusive for all Post Wrestling Cafe members will be a new collision review show. And this is going to be running when way. This will start the week of collision whenever it starts. Well, it starts on June 17th. So that night I will be hosting for that night, but I will be introducing the two regular co-hosts of the show who will be revealed that night. So you can tune in on June 17th and we will find out uh, the two hosts that will be doing this show on a weekly basis because um, spoiler, it will not be me and way every week as we um, both of us made a pact that uh, we're going to stay married. That's, that's our goal. And uh, not, not to each other, to, no, not to each to other, our other partners um, individually. And I think by stating uh, Saturday nights would be uh, given up to more wrestling uh, th- that would threaten that. So uh, it will not be Way and I doing the collision show. But that first night, uh, I will be on the show and we will introduce you to the new co-hosts that will be doing the show each and every week on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So it's a really packed month and uh, this gives you access to all of these shows. Uh, You can support us at any level, of course, all the way up to the espresso level that gives you the chance to be a guest on Rewind Away and pick your own event. So if you have a desire for Boy Meets World or... Um, the bold and the beautiful. You can choose it all on the espresso level and join us for a segment if you so choose. So postwrestlingcafe.com, $6 gets you in the door and that gives you access to all the extra shows. And then you can go above and beyond if you so choose. And uh, looking forward to a very fun week with the double shot, with the watch along, and then rewind to SmackDown. It will be Way and Kate this Friday night on Rewind to SmackDown because we do have a UFC card this weekend and a ton going down at the site. Check out the whole schedule at postwrestling.com. Also for video patrons, you can sign up at YouTube for YouTube channel members at video.postwrestling.com. Some of you might even choose to listen to Apple podcast subscriptions. Of course, if you sign up on Patreon, you can input your custom URL directly into Apple Podcasts, but some of you guys just don't really care for that inconvenience. So if you want to subscribe directly on Apple Podcasts, you can do so as well. $8 a month on YouTube and $8 a month on Apple Podcasts as well. New Japan Dominion. Wade, did you see a lot, all, or none of uh, Dominion on Sunday? I saw the opening match and then the uh, last three matches. 
Yeah, this it was a really great show. They they had a very strong audience. It was outside of the Tokyo Dome, their biggest crowd of the year. 7,040, they announced at Osaka Joe Hall, which was up 16% from what they drew last year. And the I would say the last three matches all delivered in different and big ways. Sonata retained the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship by defeating Yota Suji after 17 minutes and hit the deadfall. Uh, but to me, way the story of this match was Yota Suji, who came across as a superstar to this audience in Osaka, and they they were ready to see the crowning of Yota Suji, which did not happen on this night, but it tells me that Yota Suji is seen as, as a very big deal to this crowd and it does tell you something about this idea that it takes all this time to make stars as opposed to boom we're just going with someone new and he feels fresh and this audience was ready to take him and had he won that place would have exploded so i'm very we'll get to the g1 announcements but yoda suji being one of the participants he's one of many i'm very interested to see how he is booked in that tournament Agreed. Yeah. I mean, this sort of thing isn't that unusual for Gato's booking. You know, you, I mean, you, you saw it with Jay White to an extent, maybe you would even consider Okada, you know, as somebody who's like a, a brand new debut comes in and just like is it, shot right to the top. Um, and more than not, it, it's worked out. You know, like it's it, 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 immediately this guy feels like a perfect fit for the main event scene. Went in there and had what a twenty minute match with Sonata. Um, delivered. This some- was only seventeen, and I like that the Sonata matches. They're not doing your thirty five minute mm-hmm. IWGP title match. It was, it was almost like you you weren't even ready for the finish when it happened. But it's you know n- number one, it's kind of changing up the pace, and it's also making the deadfall can come at any point, and it is lights out they're doing a very similar thing with david finley giving him very strong dominant wins but this was more of a match that you know it was more 50 50 with suji but he more than kind of like lived up to the role and it in turn has really made me excited about him in this new japan main event mix and you add that to a david finley to a sonata as you know stars that they've made in recent months i mean you know some further along than others but the end goal is by the end of this year that you have a fresh new roster of new generation of top guys ready to go okada tanahashi and tomohiro ishii retained the never six-man tag titles over john moxley shota umino and arriving with minutes to split spare claudio castagnoli who dealt with uh with travel issues and they were constantly giving updates throughout the broadcast and i guess he arrived about 25 minutes before they got into the ring so he goes out there Crazy. i mean you you would wow. never have known the difference if you weren't aware he looked great in this match it was an awesome six man and man okada is to me just he is refreshing himself in such a unique way as not even that unique like he's just the asshole bully veteran that Mm. with this whole youth movement they all can go through okada and he's the guy that i've been here i've done that and you do not impress me and shota umino is his target at the moment and the announcers were great even explaining when he applied the money clip umino isn't even good enough to fall to the rainmaker he's going to get beat by the money clip so it made it even more like a moral victory that umino did push him to need to resort to the rainmaker when he won this one but i loved okada in this match uh my my one negative man this headbutt that Ishii delivered to John Moxley. He just powered up and just rammed him in the forehead and busted Moxley open a uh, hard way. And it was my, my issue is like, yes, we always go over the, these headbutt spots. Number two is that you so easily could have missed this spot and 
it was like Moxley starts bleeding. And I imagine there were people watching this that might not have even have noticed the headbutt. It's not as though it's even this really impactful moment. And that wouldn't justify it either. But it's just, it is so unnecessary to me when, um, you know, we, 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 we are in this era where there's, there's such a care by the audience for the performers that did not exist, I feel, to this degree in generations prior. And yet with, with this kind of stuff, it's as though, well, it's just, it's not an immediate um, penalty that a performer is necessarily going to sustain. But like these headbutts are not to say every instance uh, you're going to have a Shibata, but it's like we lived through a Shibata. And it just scares me that there will come the time that we're going to hit that again. And it's as though we just like, I really thought these headbutts would be done. And I just watched this and it's, it's consistent. It just always takes me out of the match momentarily. And I just feel there's going to be one of those times that this is going to be just, it's the heat of the moment, the adrenaline, and it's going to be a really nasty shot. And it's just, it's so unnecessary. The audience is not clamoring for it. And there's just so many uh, better options than the the skull to skull headbutt that is, it is still a tool for some of these performers. Mm, yeah. Um, I've, I've never taken one. I, I don't plan to, um, I, I would hope that, you know, somebody as well-respected and as great of a wrestler as Tomohiro Hiro Ishii is, if he were to deliver one of these to somebody that it would be done with the care of the other person in mind, it did break Moxley open here. Hopefully that's a superficial wound, but yeah, I totally agree that they're completely unnecessary. And I feel like in North America, at least as far as like WWE and AEW goes, you never, ever see them. Um, but in Japan, like we, we saw him here. I saw him on the stardom show, uh, not too long ago i i i don't know maybe it's just sort of like a different culture maybe they know a secret to working these things that you know uh other others don't i but i i agree that we don't certainly don't need them they don't affect my viewing really one way or another well the big angle afterwards uh with okada tanahashi and ishii retaining the titles john moxley informs them that they are they do not think that Okada Tanahashi and Ishii are the best wrestlers in the world because we train with the best in the world and he has sent a message and we go to the mountains. Um, this looks like a ransom video here with this still shot and it's Brian Danielson in the mountains and he announces that he has heard all of the hype about Kazuchika Okada. This man calls himself the rainmaker. Well, when you're in the fucking desert with me, there is no rain. And Brian Danielson wants Okada at Forbidden Door. And this is one of two matches coming out of the show that we have set up for Forbidden Door. But this was probably not many people's option. It was Jim Ross swerved everyone on Rampage to lead you into the direction of Zack Sabre Jr. And here we get Danielson and Okada. Jim Ross and I think it really everybody you know that I, I don't know if, if that necessarily was my expectation but it also probably was my leading candidate I mean it was that was the match that they were going to do last year I mean Zach to my knowledge like has still continued to tease it off and on um but this is a bigger match it really is you know um it's it'll probably also get more than 15 minutes oh you'd hope you'd hope I, I don't I'm not I don't know if it's 15. a it's a sure bet do you think it main events well, we don't know the whole card yet. I would say no. I think at this point, I don't know if anything is going to be bigger than Omega and Osprey on that show. Agreed. 
I, I, as big as this match is, as, as much of a dream match, like a, a, a legitimate dream match, it really is. Um, you know the quality that Osprey and Omega are going to deliver, and that's going to be tough to top for anybody. So that was a, um, one of the big uh, stories coming out of the show. As well, we had uh, Hiromu Takahashi retaining the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title against Master Wato, which was an uh, excellent, excellent match. And yeah. man, when Master Wato hit his big bridging German, which is how he won all of his round robin matches in the tournament, when he used this on Hiromu, this audience thought that was it, that it was the end. And Hiromu kicking out was a huge moment in the match. I watched this and I I really felt like this this could have been Master Wato's big win. And if you're going to look at a silver lining here is we had a show where this audience was so hot to see Yoda Suji win, to see mm-hmm. Master Wato win. And who could have forecasted this six months out that these two would have been, you know, the audience would have just exploded if either of these men had won their respective titles. But Regardless of the loss, Master Wato has graduated to a significant level. He's coming off the biggest match of his career in the, in the finals with Teton and an excellent tournament. So just change that name and he's off to the races. It's the haircut for me. Well, <laughs> like I, I just, I mean, you know, just grow that hair long, change, change up the ring gear a little bit, you know, change the name really. But like the, the base level package is incredibly like is there in ring. He, he's phenomenal. Um, and I think his moveset is really spectacular. Um, so, you know, but, but hey, clearly like maybe you and I are in a minority because this audience didn't seem to care about the way he looked. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi won the IWGP and strong tag titles, beating Evil and Yujiro and uh, Jeff, or sorry, it was Aaron Hanare and Great Okan as the third team in this. You know, you had all the House of Torture stuff in this, but I, I would say overall, this to me, this still overcame the uh, the House of Torture garbage in, in the match. And uh, I loved how Kevin Kelly, like his thing, it, it can certainly just be taken as he just buries House of Torture, but it works in the story as well, that it's like these guys are a disgrace to New Japan and stating that they need to win these tag titles because there's no way Tony Khan would book them for Forbidden Door unless he was forced to by them holding the tag team championship. So it was like that was their driving force to win these belts. It would force that uh, Tony Khan to book them for Toronto by winning. Creative. Yes. Like by losing, we can assume that uh, Evil and Yujiro will not be on the card in Toronto. I don't think you can assume anything. Uh, Catch Catch 22 defeated uh, Kushida and Kevin Knight. So TJP and Francesco Akira regaining the junior heavyweight tag titles. And the opener was Will Ospreay beating Lance Archer. They only went eight minutes, but it was a really intense eight minutes. And afterwards, Lance Archer noting that he's been out dealing with a torn triceps injury. And Osprey gets the win after a final hidden blade and then challenges Kenny Omega for Forbidden Door and then declares war on Canada. Should I be scared? I I think he's coming for all Canadians. And you know how everyone raved about his uh his his go home promo before the Kenny Omega match at the press conference? I think his his go home promo before Forbidden Door, it should air on collision the night before mm-hmm. on King Street. On top of Bret Hart's Walk of Fame star. Ooh, I love it. Great. Is that what is that? Is that the the destination hangout of? Is that the the only wrestling monument we have in the city? 
yes, he can he can go cut his promo and then he can jump into Gabby's for a drink and then uh, make his way back to uh, the Scotiabank Arena. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's waging war, and you know what? Um, I welcome it. Uh, I. I, when when kind of like you know we were talking about whether where this match should take place um if it was a decision between Wembley and Toronto I was willing to say Wembley because I think it's a bigger stage doing it at Forbidden Door in Toronto suggests to me that there's a possibility they might do it, do again, it again at yeah. Wembley um but I'm very happy that's taking place in Toronto and that we'll be able to watch it live. I mean, the first match might still be a leading candidate for match of the year for me right now. And I think uh, it is for most people. Ex- yeah. Chapter two is going to have some very, very high expectations attached to it. I can't remember a match. Maybe you have to go back to Omega and Okada in terms of a second match having this level. I would say this one, it might even be a higher standard that people have. Um, like as great as that first Okada Omega match is, um, and and they did surpass the first one by by the end of that series they did surpass it. But this one will be um, certainly um, you know they're, they're coming in with gigantic expectations. But um, there you have it. So those are the two I, matches we have so far for Forbidden Door. Let me just say I hope these four men wrap themselves in bubble wrap for the next uh, month or next few weeks at least so that they can at least make it. Cause I mean, I cannot take the heartbreak that might come from an injury to any of these guys travel, like travel plans, screwing up like that would just kill me at this point. So I hope everybody stays healthy. And uh, the last uh, thing of note on the show, well, we'll get to the G one, but they, several new bullet club members and Gabriel Kidd and Alex Coughlin joined uh, along with Dan Maloney into the group, Dan Maloney turning on his United empire teammates and he's forming a team with Clark Connors. So this new bullet club, you've got Connors, Maloney, Coughlin, Gabriel Kidd and led by David Finley. And I kind of like this makeup. It's, it's no sort of bullet club lineage from the past. It feels like all fresh guys that are in the midst of their first significant pushes in the company. And I've got to say like the bullet club has been a pretty stale act for some time, but this is a, at least as fresh as you can make the bullet club at, at this point. And you're going to have Connors and Maloney challenging a TJP and Akira July 4th for the junior heavyweight tag titles. So it just seems like they've, they've taken over the, the LA dojo. Uh, in a way dojo yes Yes. okay yeah um i i think it's it's good that they at least have some sort of direction kind of puts them on on the map especially like in in japan you would hope a a little bit more um i don't know how much like being in the bullet club like really means uh, anymore john to be honest with you like you know there was a time where like simply being inducted and and getting your own shirt sort of like was enough of a boost for you now it just which i thought was like such a huge part of it until I interviewed AJ Styles during the peak of that period and asked him like, you know, it must be really nice. Like the, the t-shirt cut that you guys get. And he informed me, Oh, we don't get any cut uh, <laughs> yeah. from new Japan of those t-shirt sales. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, to okay. be honest though, how would you even divide that up at this point? Well, I would think like the, 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 the lead guy would at least be cut into something of it. I mean, but what's the lead guy? Like, let's say like, you know, and they sold a bunch of BC shirts right now. I mean, who, who, who gets a, who's the, who's the lead guy? You tell me, I know it's David Finley, but like, you know, do you, do you cut in like, you know, the, all the BC gold uh, members, you, you, you cut in like every single well, member. You know, what? if I was in a group of six and we were meeting with new Japan, you know how the negotiating would start? Not zero. 
<laughs> that would be my position. Okay. Not zero. Yeah. That's where we'd like to start. So if you told me that we were going to get 25 cents a shirt, listen, we're, we we would be more than happy. At, at this that point, point, it's probably more like, you know, point. Yeah. Zero, 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 two, I might be getting way ahead of myself, but yeah. uh, there you have it. The G1. So 32 men announced for tournament. This will run July 15th through August the 13th. And a lot of turnover with 10 first-time participants, and uh, multiple names that are not coming back from last year. So here is the full list uh, in the G1. We have Okada, Naito, Sonata, Will Ospreay, Hiroshi Tanahashi, David Finley, Shota Umino, Shingo Takagi, Tomohiro Ishii, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Hikuleo, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, Toru Yano, Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, Eddie Kingston, the lone AEW representative, El Fantasmo, Ren Narita, Evil, Chase Owens, Jeff Cobb, Great O'Conn, Aaron Hanare, Gabriel Kidd, Alex Coughlin, Shane Haste, Mikey Nichols, Yota Suji, and representing pro wrestling Noah, Kaito Kiyomiya. And obviously, as the outsiders, the biggest reactions were reserved for Eddie Kingston and Kaito Kiyomiya. I would say from the AEW perspective... I think New Japan should be happy they're getting Eddie Kingston because with the launch of Collision, I certainly looked like it would be a small, small number of AEW representation to be available for a month when you have four hours of big cable television to produce every week. So the fact that they're getting Kingston is great. And I think that, you know, it seemed like online that seemed to be the most uh, excitement. But I think it's great that Kiyomiya is in this tournament and it would seem like a natural that he's in Okada's block, or at least that is that is teased. And whether he mm-hmm. goes the time limit with, I should, I don't think he should beat Okada yet, but it should yeah. be a progression from the wipeout that he had earlier this year. And to me, um, that's one of the most compelling stories in this whole G one. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, for me, like the G1 at this point, like it, fully out of the pandemic, um, like knowing what the best of the G- Super Juniors lineup was, I, I, I had at least some expectation for, you know, um, people coming in from other promotions. And you only really have two outsiders, but they're two big outsiders that are coming in, like enough to elicit big reactions just even independently. And when you couple the two of them together, it was enough to make, make me look at this G1 lineup as like something to be excited about. Um, and I, I think for Eddie Kingston, it's, it must be a, a bit of a dream come true. You have to think, you know, for somebody who is as big of a Japanese uh, uh, wrestling fan as he is to finally get to participate in a G1. It's interesting that maybe um, Tony kind of considers him. It, I don't want to say expendable. Cause like, you know, this is, I think really good for kingston he probably wanted to do it himself but he's it's he's not a danielson and i guess he's not a a moxley that you could you know maybe not like you don't need him necessarily every, every week on, on tv so but man in the g1 it's it's very exciting and, and like you said kiyomiya gets to continue his next chapter um in this okada program while continuing to really kind of fly the flag of noah and pro- hopefully impressing a lot of people in the process so among those who are in their first G1, it includes uh, Umino, Hikuleo, Eddie Kingston, Ren Narita, Gabriel Kidd, Alex Coughlin, Shane Haste, Mikey Nichols, Yoda Suji, and Kiyomiya. Those not coming back from last year. Most of these are a result of guys signing elsewhere in the case of Jonah, a.k.a. Bronson Reed, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Uh, Bad Luck Fale is not in the tournament. And watching him last year, I cannot say I'm stunned by that one. He had a rough go of things last year in the G1, and I just don't know how he would have necessarily held up uh, a year older. And I don't think that was a bad call. Um, But man, 
I got messages from more than one person who reminded me, hey, did you notice? No Yujiro. And I said, yes, I absolutely noticed. No Yujiro. Mm. Um, the ones that maybe are surprising, uh, Lance Archer not coming back. And maybe that would suggest that now he is healed and perhaps he is going to be prioritized in AEW coming back. Um, I would say my biggest surprise was not seeing Tom Lawler come back. And I thought he had a very good tournament last year. And that was from a, like we, we saw all sides of Tom Lawler in that tournament. Like he did the comedy stuff. He did the very serious stuff when they built up to the Okada match. He gave that really heartfelt uh, promo. We got to hear him on commentary as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, he hasn't been used in Japan a lot over this last year. I don't think he's been brought back by New Japan for any Japanese shows. He's been on the strong cards. He had that great match with Zach uh, a few weeks ago in April uh, in, I think it was uh, the Washington show. But yeah, he would have been the only one that I was surprised did not get uh, get called back. But maybe not as surprised just given that they haven't brought him back for any for any big shows. But I, I thought he had a very good outing last year. Yeah, um, maybe I would have expected him to, to sort of like be the the representative from you know the the New Japan strong side of things here. But um, I I mean I guess they they only have so many spots and they have a lot of people. And they're on a youth kick, like they are on. Yep. Like we have invested in all of these younger talents to go across the world and to mm -hmm. be away for all these years, and now they're all coming back, and we're giving them all pushes to varying yep. degrees, like in big. And it'll be interesting to see like who are like none of these guys are going to be all like you know, oh and nine, oh and ten guys. Like these are mm -hmm. gonna be some of them are gonna get some significant um runs in in this tournament. And yeah, it does feel like there is a there is a young guard and I like the fact that you change it up and you know to get ten new names in the tournament, um yeah, yeah it'll be I, I'm very uh excited for the, this tournament. Yeah, uh, yeah, freshness. I think is you know really one of the the main aims of of you know New Japan this year, and uh, they they they've certainly achieved that with a lot of their booking decisions. WWE and Twitch made an announcement today. WWE announced a multi-year partnership with Twitch that will see the return of the official WWE channel and popular WWE superstar channels featuring live and exclusive content. Now, uh, maybe the most interesting part of this announcement is that in addition to the launch of the channel, WWE will debut today a companion sidecast. Okay, that's the term they're using, sidecast, which I had to write today and... Microsoft Word is just underlining it in red for me. Like, this is this is not a word. But nonetheless, a sidecast to Monday Night Raw, bringing the WWE Universe behind the scenes and closer to the in-ring action. The weekly viewing experience will be led by a rotating cast of hosts and will regularly feature appearances by WWE superstars, unique and exclusive content such as backstage interviews and more. And additionally, the official channel of WWE will be home to other live productions and will serve as an alternate live streaming feed for all of WWE's premium live event press conferences. So a few uh, notes to this. Number one is this sidecast that Nick Khan had recently mentioned, and everybody seems to be looking for their version of the Manning cast. And that is sort of what I read this to be. Now, both of us had a chance to sample and watch a bit of this sidecast on Monday night. And watching this sidecast, it felt as though the people in charge of this were made aware of this this morning when this press release went out. It was a very, by WWE standards and maybe by any standards, a very bare bones production of that. It did not have much viewership. And it was Megan Morant, Drew Gulak, and Ryan uh, Papola from The Bump watching 
about an hour and 40 minutes of raw together. Then Megan had to leave to go get ready for raw talk. And then for like the last hour or so, it just flips over to Drew Gulak's personal channel. And he's just alone for the last hour of raw and viewership. I saw it like peak around. And I know how the viewership works and, you know, maybe this is not all the the total viewership, but the live viewership was the highest I saw was around 1100, 1200 people and got, precipitously lower the lower the mo to the point that by the final hour when it was just drew gulak like we're talking under 200 people um watching this where did the other guy go like for the last hour um maybe maybe at his fill of raw i i don't know i i I wasn't watching this like intently the whole night so i I don't know what his side or drew gulak you know like you know the only one on the island well i mean we we should remember that that this follows a report um back in april from fightful that wwe and twitch had reached an agreement that you know talent would be figured into like revenue opportunities here so the whatever this deal is going to mean it it should mean revenue for the talent on top of it Mm -hmm. um but also interesting to note, there was zero promotion of this on WWE, whether that was just wanting to soft launch this or um, it could be an, a deal where this is maybe USA Network does not want them promoting another broadcast where mm-hmm. unlike the Manning cast, which is on ESPN2, um, this NBC Universal has no connection to Twitch. Twitch is owned by Amazon, which is also interesting. Yep. But um, I would not say this this launched tonight and and felt like any kind of a game changer for wwe it was three people on a screen like this watching raw and they could not show any footage of raw they didn't have any any guests on beyond the three of them it was it was just a very basic uh broadcast there it's like a panel show so they're being it's you know in the wwe type of conversation so so what do you mean like were they talking about the wrestling as if it was real like was it in kayfabe or or not it was like watching the bump like that like they're they're not going to be talking about you know inside was gulag breaking down technique like what like what what, like was gulag i I didn't get enough of a of a sense i i would say within the first 10 minutes drew gulag started eating and i felt like that was my (laughs) cue to um turn the sound off well, I mean, I will say, I, like, I guess a lot of these sort of like, you know, streams are are relatively casual. That could be like an aesthetic decision to go co- completely minimal. But more often, like, more more than likely, knowing the WWE sort of sense, this looked to me like a very rushed production and and one without a whole lot of thought put into it. Um, and I don't necessarily blame the host for that. I mean, I, I wonder. No, how much... I mean they they did as good a job as you could. But I think for this to have any kind of traction you want big stars attached to it. Like part of the Manning cast is you've got the Manning brothers and you've got all these mm-hmm. celebrities and it's, it's considered something that man, if I'm not going to watch Monday night football live, this yep. is such a cool, different alternative experience. So who, who, who are the Manning brothers um, equivalent in pro wrestling? What's the star level that, that you think would be an attractive enough, like hook for a watch along? I, I really I, – I don't know. I don't know who – What's The Undertaker doing, okay? I want I want The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve. You know, it should be Undertaker and Kane, okay? They're the brothers. Okay. All right? It's it's definitely Bret Hart watching every Monday night. <laughs> so I, I, I would not I – would, I would only watch that, and I would not watch the commentary. Well, that's – like, that's kind of the appeal you want of something that – should be Bret and my, Sean watching. My God, I want to see this. But um, – the other side of it, and maybe like we shouldn't look at this week one of where this is. I'm 
I'm sure this is going to grow and become more of a priority for them. But I would say from this, if if the NBC Universal side is looking at this as something like, okay, this is a side deal, but there's no mentions on Raw of this, mm-hmm. I do see that as somewhat short-sighted. Because number one, it's like Twitch does reach a much younger audience. And WWE, when they can put their muscle into something, they will find success at this, I am sure. And the hope would be, if you are reaching people that are not watching Raw, that could have a long-term assist for Raw. Like we have seen, like WWE, for all you want to say, like their engagement on social media is insane. And now we're starting to see the benefits when you have strong storytelling and a hotter product the audience is getting younger and this could be a gateway to that. I would not say tonight was uh, at all a step in that direction. It's what it could represent, but it was interesting that here's a press release that they put out. It got covered and there was not a mention of this on raw. So that would, that's very unlike WWE to not just tout their own successes and Mm. business developments. Yeah. Some interesting questions. I, I think a path to their growth, but not necessarily be through a simulcast like this, but maybe on the off hours where they're not doing professional wrestling, like on a at Tuesday afternoon at, at 12 o'clock. Like it's going to be difficult for a company like a, like a WWE though, because I, 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 my opinion of like, you know, what is successful on Twitch is a lot of personality that is like singularly driven, you know, and, and that, that feels authentic. And you're with the new to... day, like work in something like this, because yeah, that, actually, that's like a realistic um, grouping that you could have doing something like this, or you could have like a rotation. Oops, sorry. Yeah. Dougie, Dougie here in the chat room suggests new day would be great. Uh, Scott says Br- Biggie and Breeze feels like an easy win. I mean, we've seen sort of iterations of this with them on commentary, right? Like anytime you have the new day on commentary, it's, it's wildly attractive. And that a version of something like that. Yeah. With a biggie. I would at least I think be a bit of a draw, you know, so but but yeah, I, I a lot of questions and maybe today was just sort of like a trial. Mm-hmm. This was it, it does remind me of when this was years ago in 2005 when WWE tried this concept called WWE Unlimited. And mm-hmm. for those that don't remember at the time, they were putting so much focus on the website and this idea was when raw goes to commercial we're going to keep broadcasting so they would actively send you from usa to wwe.com like don't watch the commercials go to the website to watch as the show continues during commercial breaks and it was only after a few weeks that usa was like you are not driving our viewers away from our commercial inventory and that did not last uh too much longer but i i would i would argue it'd be to me semi short-sighted and i think if you looked at the numbers tonight i don't think this is really a going to threaten raw's viewership with um this alternate side cast but you know your hope would be to beef this up so that this like the 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 goal to me of this way would be just creating another program that you can sell um and tonight was not a show that you can sell in any significant way Right. Moving on to um, better uh, WWE news. Friday Night SmackDown did a phenomenal number. 2,563,000 viewers and a .73 in the demo. So this was their highest audience since the December 30th episode last year when John Cena teamed with Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. And it was their highest demo audience since December 25th of 2020, which was that night that had on Christmas that had the huge NFL lead in prior to that, you'd have to go back to March 20th of 2020 for an episode of SmackDown with Rob Gronkowski. 
on the episode on the episode or very, very early in the pandemic. So this was a gigantic number. Brandon Thurston had the quarter hours and the final 15 minutes of the show with Roman Reigns and the celebration taking up the last half hour. Uh, it peaked with 2.9 million viewers, 1.13 million in the demo. And they were just up I- insane. Uh, they were up 86% from last week in 18 to 34. Uh, women in the demo were up uh, nearly 60%. 18 to 34, um, sorry, women 18 to 34 were up 86%. Uh, the 18 to 34 demo was up 61%. Uh, percent. So, I mean, we can go over all these different numbers, but this was a massive massive hit on friday um with the last half hour carrying things like the roman reigns celebration was gigantic and my question to you a number one your reaction and number two is the jay uso decision does that have the same type of appeal for this friday i don't think so um at least I don't see it matching C- comparable. I don't. I don't think we could ex- expect this as the barometer, okay. but it, in mm. line of just um, still like a, a healthy number that they are building this around a decision, a big storyline plot point. It doesn't feel as big to me, John, because I think Roman Reigns is a far bigger name. You know, you have like a nice, well-rounded number in 1,000 that, um, you know, has kind of been built up to for a long, long time. You're also coming off of PLE, so there's added interest there. Um, I think all those factors and just, you know, the general sort of like um, star power of a Roman Reigns probably exceeds like this decision with Jey Uso. And who knows if it'll be even anything concrete, whereas the promise of a 1,000 celebration, you're almost kind of guaranteed a big event. They're also up against game four this Friday with the the Nuggets and the Miami Heat. So that's something to keep in mind as well for, for this coming Friday. So, I mean, giant number way, biggest viewership of the year, biggest demo in years. What do you think happened in Canada? Nothing. Viewership was down 14% from last week. 129,500 viewers, although the demo was up. It did uh, 62,400, which is up 28% from the week prior. And this is not even, uh, again, we had no NBA. We had no NHL on Friday, but they did go against the Blue Jays and the Mets, which was the top sports program that night and a uh, and, the, and the CFL preseason uh, on top of it. So SmackDown was sixth uh, in sports, but it, this was a normal number for SmackDown and nowhere near the level they were doing earlier this year when Zayn was on fire. So hmm. it did not resonate. And I, I found that really interesting that this was an unmitigated success in the U S and it was just a normal number in Canada. Maybe because the weather's so much nicer, like we can Canadians can finally go out and do something. Um, and we're not staying at home and watching TV. Like we were all winter long because it's freezing up here. Well, yes, we were at home watching SmackDown and then an hour of rampage. And for, all the attention and interest in Championship Friday, it did not spike viewership on Friday. They did 357,000 viewers, so actually dropping 18% from the week before. The demo was up, up slightly by 3%, so it did finish 12th on cable, third in its time slot behind col- the College Softball World Series, which I missed. Don't ruin it for me. And on Patrol Live, uh, but they were down. They were down six percent with males eighteen to forty nine. That you would think this kind of a show would be most appealing to. Um, yeah, the nerds. Well, at eighteen to thirty four, they were down twenty uh, percent in that demo. Although men did grow in that demo, uh, women had a big decline from last week. But um, you know, sure. it was 
it was Rampage's best uh, demo audience since April 22nd. That was a Saturday show. Uh, but anyway, it, th- this was not something where it exploded audience, the, the audience. And I didn't know what this show would do. Like we saw Vikingo uh, mean a whole lot the, the first time that he had the match with, with Kenny Omega. This was not Kenny Omega. Um, but this anyway. was also not not sort of like, you know, the whole like online controversy that preceded Vikingo's appearance either. No, that first time. no. Maybe maybe we were really hoping for a they're they're promoting championship Friday and there isn't even one AEW championship being defended. Maybe that was the hoping they were hoping for a controversy. Clearly the key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, so what does that tell you? Do you think Tony will continue to book rampages like this or should this tell him to stay away from this type of booking? I don't think you can do a lineup like this every single week, um, but it. it Number one, I would say we we have seen instances where a big SmackDown, you would think, oh, all these people are watching wrestling. That should help Rampage. It has not been the case as it's played out. You're serving two very different products, okay? Somebody might be watching this for a Roman Reigns 1000 celebration, but they're not necessarily going to care about a Bakingo or Katsuri Shibata. Yeah, if anything, it might teach you that for a big, big SmackDown, it's going to lure away the the average rampage viewer that is not going to then watch a third hour on Friday night. They're going to get their fill from SmackDown and, and not watch a rampage, not to say that rampage is, um, you know, hitting it out of the park either, like with their numbers, but it, it, to me, I would not be turned off either by this lineup and one week's number. I think you, you need to build consistency and build the kind of reaction that people had Wednesday that was universally praising this lineup and wanting to see the show. I don't think you can be so reactive to one bad number for a show that has been struggling numbers wise and is coming off two months of being knocked all over the the schedule. And you're trying to establish some level of consistency. And uh, the last thing is just uh, Showbuzz Daily. They were delayed with uh, putting out their charts and just a, a few notes that came out. NXT ranked fourth last week, which is an insanely high ranking for NXT, which is usually in like uh, the teens or the 20s. Um, so it was like a lower night on cable, but for them fourth, and they were not that far off from uh, being ahead of uh, number two and number three. And this was on Tuesday night, which also featured the debut of The Ultimate Fighter. And this is the big season with Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. And granted, this is simulcast on ESPN+, Plus, so this doesn't represent all the viewers. But Tuff did a .14 and 294,000 viewers, which to me is an awful number. When you have got Conor McGregor coaching Tuff, and this is on ESPN, and... I just looked at that number. It's like, man, you are doing uh, a fraction of the viewership that NXT is doing and not even beating them in the demo. Like it tells me that tough is just not a priority show and you cannot have a bigger coach than Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler is still a very well-known star. Um, But anyway, it's, I'm sure you factor in ESPN plus it's like it boosts it a little, but you know, the hope was that, like this got them on ESPN and you're doing 294,000 viewers. I find that to be very disappointing. And uh, and then Dynamite was ranked second last Wednesday behind Vanderpump Rules. And yes, Va- Vanderpump, we, we saw how AEW's female viewership was down so significantly. Well, it was because Vanderpump did uh, a 1.18 among women 18 to 49, which is just insane. This destroyed everything on cable and broadcast on Wednesday night. I think it doubled um, what was number two. So in in women 18 to 49, to put into comparison, Vanderpump was 1.18 
AEW did a 0.14 in that same demo. So um, Vanderpump is just a, just a runaway train of momentum. And they've got their third their third reunion special this Wednesday that Dynamite is how, up against. How do you, re- you reunite three times? Okay. I do not know. But I think – and then they're doing Secrets Revealed next week. <laughs> so, dude, it's like wringing every drop out of the yeah. Vanderpump towel this year and continuing this. So um, – that that is we will find out more on our watch along on Thursday night. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, that is all of your notes. And uh, Tony Khan will make an announcement on Wednesday night. He will announce the first main event for Collision. Um, so there you go. Do, do, do you think they? I think they get it now. Like the the announcements. Oh, and I think they got it a long time ago. You know. Okay, we got it. We have like I think the bet is to see when these runs of announcements will stop like how far into this <laughs> announcement hole can tony khan go how much can he milk this so after you've announced the match can you announce a stipulation can you announce um he, here's else? my thing with the announcements is that you know not, they have not to say- deliver they have to deliver well yeah and i'm saying like th- these last few like they've all been major and I think like yes. that should teach people that th- this mat and it's the main event of the first collision. Like I think mm-hmm. people have a very big expectation level. Like this is not going to be, um, I don't know, like the young bucks against the butcher and the blade, like people, which would be like, it's a fine match, but people are expecting like a blockbuster match announcement for that first collision. And they should have a blockbuster match for the first main event. Should they try commercial free for that first episode? That's an interesting question that they could certainly um, I, I I would think like that could be something to to try that at that least for the be. match. I don't see. I mean, it's it, like you AEW is essentially commercial free now, but I think being able to ha- have something extra to promote it, something extra for Tony Khan to announce um, would that add that little thing. You know, you're trying to get people to make Saturday a habit and that's a lot more to ask for than, you know, just a typical night. So. What's your, what's your expectation level of seeing, especially after Tony Khan's answer, it was an interesting answer at the press conference that we didn't discuss about the idea of a Bill Goldberg, who is probably yeah. like your biggest free agent that is out there that could have a short term impact. Could you see Bill Goldberg being figured into getting collision off the ground and making at least an, an AEW appearance over these next uh, this next month or two? I actually can. I actually can, um, especially like in the build up towards something like an all in uh, mm-hmm. and, and even beyond, you know, especially now that you have something like a collision. Um, I, I feel he if he were announced or comes in Chicago, like they could keep him as a surprise. I think that spikes a lot of those collision t- t- uh, tickets. Yep. And if he is if this builds up, like maybe he does one match on TV, but maybe you build mm-hmm. up to something big. For all in that will move tickets for Wembley too. look at the mileage they've gotten out of sting. Okay. And this is a guy who's already like, you know, had, had uh, spinal stenosis. I had, had already retired. Look at the mileage they've had uh, and, and the rebuilding that they've done with sting. I think they could do something very similar with Bill Goldberg by attaching him to, to a young star, putting him, hiding him in these sort of like, you know, t- multi-man tag matches coming in, doing all of his spots, which like for the most part still look very good. Um, and then just really building the aura of the character. I, I'm actually now quite curious to see how he would be portrayed in AEW. Like you're not getting a Dave Batista, and like it's it's just it's not a very long list of people that have that kind of um, attraction with people that can still do like his character, and it's not like he has to come in and do some big 20 minute match. It's mm-hmm. 
Like you can, you can protect him in such a way. And we certainly saw from this last WWE run, he can be effective when left to his own devices and presented as Bill Goldberg. Yeah. And, and a big name on a marquee that, yes. you know, could, you could use to help elevate a lot of, a lot of other, a lot of your younger stars. Um, and, and for pay-per-views um, that you're selling to still like a, an audience that might not be as familiar with your AEW roster. Yeah. He could be in a lot. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Into Raw we go. That was a, that was a lot of news off the top, but a lot of uh, big stuff going on. Uh, PWInsider.com reported uh, late Monday that Vince McMahon was apparently backstage at the show in Hartford, Connecticut. So we'll see if there's any... Uh, followed of that or if Vince maybe just wanted to take in the night maybe I mean makes to... makes sense he, he does live in the state yeah you know? it's I mean short the location uh, it like makes, if you're sense. if it's your company and they're doing a show like a short drive away are you not going to show up um I mean he's barely shown up for uh the last year so I mean you know he picks he picks his clearly the man dates. just wants to stay at home the um Seth Rollins starts the show he comes out and he notes that the last uh the, the last time the world title was defended on Raw, it was it was Big E and Austin Theory in November of 2021. So yeah. it's been too long, and he's facing Damian Priest tonight. So Priest and Balor come out. There's no Dominic and Rhea. And, man, one thing I did not like about this was it felt like more... Rollins does comedy every now and then, but this really felt like forcing it with like the jokes about Balor and priest and how they hold each other's hands and help each other in the washroom. It's like, you're now the world champion. So this is almost like, this is now part of the, uh, the job description. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I think it's, it's just part of the character. And I feel like they've really diminished portions of the character, including the fake laugh for quite a while now, especially on this baby face ascent. Um, now that he's maybe taken a bit, bit more of a focal point, you are reminded that 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 whole thing is still a core part of his character. And I just don't think he's that good at it in general. But again, I, I get the sense maybe we're in a minority, you know, because uh, he's over. He's more over now than he was before he was doing all this stuff. I'd be, I just, I don't mind like aspects of of the character, but th- this one felt to me as though they were like force feeding these, these jokes into him. But the key to the story is that Rollins is able to convince Damian Priest to face him one-on-one and leave the judgment day in the back. And Balor's protesting, but Priest sort of steps in and cuts off Balor and agrees to it. And we're starting to hint at dissension between Balor and Priest that would play itself out in the match. And there was a really good line at the end when priest says that Rollins is going to have one of the shortest reigns ever. And Rollins says, well, not as short as, as Balor's, which was a nice thing at the end. Yeah. Clearly building something up with, with Balor as well, but man, I kind of, I think we're next. I think they're going like as soon as next week, unless, unless that's money in the bank and they're, um, I mean, I think there's like trash talk and then there's like really belittling somebody, somebody. And I thought all throughout tonight, it really felt like Balor was, being positioned as like an underling, like almost lowest on on the totem pole in the Judgment Day. Becky Lynch and Sonya Deville Money in the Bank qualifier. 
Graves brings up the stat that 100% of the women to win money in the bank have cashed in successfully. That's that's a hell of a conversion rate. Oh, yeah. I get, I they should mean, just bypass. Like, you win the briefcase, you automatically get to pick your belt. You don't even have to go through <laughs> the process of it all. Trish Stratus comes out with Zoe Stark, and they're just watching for the whole match. Um, they're going at, at a pretty decent pace here. Chelsea Green gets involved, attacking Becky behind the ref's back. But then Becky knocks out Green and runs her into the barricade multiple times, does the same to DeVille. The manhandle slam is avoided. She goes for the disarmer. That is blocked. And then Green tries to help DeVille with using uh, her foot on the rope, gets caught. And then DeVille comes off the second turnbuckle and plants her feet into the manhandle slam. And Becky wins in 11 minutes and 21 seconds to qualify for London. Yeah, um, I, w- I was almost surprised at how cold this match was early on, considering it was Becky and considering it was for a uh, stipulation. Then I saw the other matches on the show and I realized, oh, OK, it's just it's Hartford. Um, this was not a good crowd for tonight's uh, wrestling. And there were some pretty good matches that I felt like deserved far better reactions than what they got. I don't necessarily feel like this match was one of those because um, uh, the work itself, I found a bit soft and loose for a modern standard, especially for, you know, um, what we've become used to, even with Becky matches. Um, but, you know, did a decent job here of like, you know, Sonia and Chelsea doing all the cheating outside, escalating the odds for, I guess, uh, you know, Becky to try to overcome. And uh, he, she got a hard fought victory on route to money in the bank. They put over the closing segment of SmackDown that it got like 40 million views online um, across, I guess, all their platforms. So it's the most That's watched it. 40 million. Come on. Million. It doesn't really have like 2 billion followers on TikTok. Weren't they celebrating last Yeah. Week? I mean, how many of those those billions didn't watch this segment? They only had 40 million. <laughs> Saxton interviews Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and they, they kind of gloat about the bloodline falling apart. But they note that uh, Zayn states Jimmy did what he needed to do, but not sure about Jay. So Imperium gets involved. Owens freaks out and he just storms to the ring. He wants a fight with Gunther. So Gunther follows him and the match is made. But before the match, we get a vignette for Katana Chance and Caden Carter. We see about Carter's basketball background, Chance being a division one gymnast and being on American, American Ninja warrior. And the two being the longest reigning NXT women's tag champions. And this had to air in this this portion uh, because we had to get them over very quick tonight for a match they did air something i believe last week you know or, or one of the weeks since since the draft um but today I, I mean i thought this served as like a nice little sort of addition to their real debut tonight gunther and kevin owen so i guess this is a non-title match um did not yeah. matter because uh, i thought this match was just excellent i thought this was almost a pay-per-view caliber like this was a match. pay-per-view level match and i think it could have even benefited benefited a, a little from a bit of a longer build not even just for the quality like uh, you know for the it's got a commercial break i i feel the show could have benefited from let's say a week's long build you know towards hey next week you're gonna get gunther versus kevin owens i mean I, I that would have, in my opinion, drew a bit of attention to next week's Raw. But sure, why not give it to us after the commercial break? You know, they are so obviously in a big kick of establishing their champions as these dominant title runs. And I think like there, there are certainly. I mean, Friday we got the the example of investing in that over a long term period of what you can grow. I do think, on the other hand, when you don't have a ton of challengers set up. Like last week with Seth Rollins, uh, this week here you had this match. And even later, I thought with like Caden Carter and Katana Chance, it was mm-hmm. 
I think in at least one of these situations, you could have had the non-champion win to set something up bigger for down the road. And I just feel they don't want to beat any of their champions. And mm-hmm. I, I think like you, you could relax that a little bit. I suppose so. But how much do you relax that? Because I think in the past, we've seen the opposite. I know. You, you don't go to the extreme of where it used to be a joke and you'd mm-hmm. always beat them. But like the Austin case- Theory or like anybody who holds money in the bank, you know, jobs for eternity until they win the title. The point yeah. being, like, could you see a Gunther Kevin Owens rematch? And would you want yeah. to see a rematch? And who does Gunther have if not for Kevin Owens? So well, I, the thing is, I, I do think like there's enough interest that Gunther could beat Kevin Owens here and you could still do enough to justify a rematch because Gunther is almost this sort of like completely unbeatable obstacle. All you really need is like a great Kevin Owens promo, something about him, you know, doing something differently this time to, to, to spark your interest. I don't think he necessarily needs to beat Gunther to set up a rematch. Well, this match, um, man, they are just uh, chopping one another and Gunther is just kicking away at him like with this lazy, disrespectful kick. So Owens comes back with these super kicks and a cannonball. The crowd is getting behind Owens and this was a tough crowd tonight, but they got this audience. Owens lands this fisherman buster and man, this crowd, they bought into the idea of man, Gunther is going to lose. And they have have certainly reached that level now where when Gunther finally gets beat, it's going to mean a lot because this mm-hmm. audience sees him as unbeatable. And that's, that's the other side of the coin that, that you argue that, you know, when you never see someone beat, it will mean something in the end. There's a splash, but Owens gets his knees up. Swan dive connects for Owens and crowd totally buys this as the ending. Gunther kicks out and then Vinci gets involved. So Zane yanks him off. Kaiser and Owens go to the floor. There's a stunner to Kaiser, but with Owens back turned, Gunther rolls him up just a simple schoolboy and pins him in 17 minutes and 15 seconds. So it definitely keeps you with the, the option to uh, mm-hmm. go back to this. But uh, this match was outstanding. This was yeah. just a great, great match. One of the better raw matches I can recall. Yeah, really, really strong match. Um, only only dampened by, I think, the crowd here. Like, in any other building. Like, God, imagine if San Juan got a match like this. Imagine if, like, man, Montreal got a match like this. You know, like, this would have been far better received. But um, something tells me that they're going to meet again, maybe on a bigger stage. I thought there was a lot done to maybe even set up a Gunther-Sammy match coming out of this as well. Because you had Sammy basically self-fear the entire time watching ringside. And you almost had Gunther stare him down. You know, throughout the, um, all of his uh, attacks on Kevin Owens, everything looked great. Great built to Owens near falls, and uh, you know, any iteration of these guys, Gunther with any of them, is is a is going to be a strong match. Matt Riddle was with Kathy Kelly, and they're trying to give him more. They're definitely trying to tone down or even outright eliminate the comedy with Riddle. He just gets sick of Gunther cheating and Kaiser appears calling him a disgrace. And what are you going to do about it? So Riddle attacks both Vinci and Kaiser and puts uh, Kaiser into an ankle lock that they seem to be uh, giving him now. So it was him taking out both guys and like no jokes, none of the, like the, the stoner vibe. It seemed to be as uh, like a much more serious presentation for Riddle. Mm -hmm. It was good. Positive. Yeah. Saxton interviews Rousey and Baszler. They manifested winning these tag titles over a decade ago when they were still competing in the octagon. You think you think Rousey in 2013 was like manifesting this th- these non-existent tag titles that had not been created? <laughs> I forget that they weren't created yet. Well, maybe maybe they had their sights set on. They manifested everything, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah, so she was getting ready to go on tough with uh, Misha Tate. 
Rousey says they're going to legitimize these titles. They won't be an afterthought, really, uh, you know, putting them on in, in high regard. And they challenge any team with the figurative balls to oh, face them. That's what she said. I replayed this thing like a million times, okay? We invite any team with I, – I thought she said figurative falls. She said figurative balls. Yes. Okay. She had to <laughs> emphasize that these women have figurative balls, not literal. Which I, I doesn't it um, uh, coincide with her line from last week when she these tried to nuts. work in these nuts? So her yeah. promos are all basically like ball laden, like yeah. like the Miz, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like someone who sat down and watched Jackass and saw it as a life changing experience. Yeah. Hmm. Carter and Chance walk in. They are the life of the party and they want a chance at the belt. So Baszler, Rousey calls this stupid. Baszler says it's ignorance and it's also bravery and threatens to rip their tendons off. And they're going to go speak to Pierce and then they just walk right out to the ring. I don't know. Uh, maybe they, uh, they, they texted Adam Pierce uh, on their way to the ring. Maybe so, Pierce is next to next to in Gorilla. And he's just like, hey, I, we want to. Yeah, make yeah, it. yeah. Right. Take as much time as you need. <laughs> yeah, like we, you know, like they must have a pretty empty rundown, like in mm-hmm. kayfabe, right? Did you hear this line? Kevin Patrick described Chance and Carter as having a telepathic relationship. Uh, did not necessarily catch that, but yeah, who's so, the doubt? Like maybe they they finish each other's thoughts and communicate that way mm-hmm. so um you know th- th- this was not like the smoothest match but i thought that carter and chance like this audience was getting into them i thought this match was awesome yeah like, i thought i thought it was I, great i thought that they did a really great job with chance and carter of like establishing them to the point that i was watching this and be like what is the harm in them getting this did they establish this this was a title match this was the non-title match no. oh it was a non-title yeah. then like honestly, like if one of them had just you want them to you wanted them to win the championship here, or you I mean think, you wanted them to at least get the win? Yeah, I thought you said this is right. non-title. This is non-title. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like okay. they could have got the win here. It's not harming. I Rouse think it's too Facebook. early to beat Shayna and Ronda. They haven't they have even no had a proper one, defense. Man. There's nobody for the like. There's no. So one again, again, I think Shayna and Ronda are very much similar types of characters as Gunther, where like they should be so unbeatable that you can build to a rematch without beating them all like the, the odds were so like if this was there were Vegas Vegas odds for this I mean Shana and Ronda were pro- would probably be like you know minus 10,000 and for that reason like simply looking good against them is enough I don't know if it will be enough we will see in the follow-up to this um well they're not going to get a rematch right away but this was meant to be an establisher so who's the team Who who's the big team for Rousey and Baszler now who have they been building up to no one. Okay. But I wouldn't necessarily say them beating Ronda and Shayna would immediately you've, you've make them. You just created a team. You have automatically then created where do you go? these two. But then where a do you rematch. Go? The title match. Yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't think you need to beat Ronda and Shayna this soon after they just won the championship. I think it does no harm at all. Like sometimes you need to create challengers and it's like, not everyone needs to be the just like. You're, you're in the, like you need to establish Shayna and Ronda themselves. I think I think you need a team that like at least there's some believability. I would say in the future, moment, but I don't. This team is above everyone, and I don't, I don't think, think I don't think that that alone is a good enough excuse to beat your champions. You're you're trying to create a division. You're trying to create, but a not in the bigger match. Like what? Like how long have they won the championships? They this had is a like week. this is like their first match as champions, and this is their first match on Raw in Chance and Carter. But I but I'm saying I think it's more important to establish the champions first. I, I mean, they, they've got the belts. I think everyone takes them as like a serious team. No. Look at everybody who's held these belts. 
These are like the wor- like the most worthless belts in the company. Well, I I think you could have created something here with uh with, with Chance and Carter. They had Rousey tagged in. She goes for Piper's pit, and then Chance tags herself in, and Ronda's shoulder sent into the post. There's the after party on Rousey, and this was where Chance gets a big near fall. Baszler saves. This woke up the audience, and then Rousey gets the ankle lock. Chance rolls out into a code breaker, and then Baszler is in, lands the knee, and the Kirafuda clutch submits Carter in six minutes and forty two seconds. I thought the match was really, really strong, you know, and again, I really wish this took place anywhere but Hartford. I'm sorry, Hartford. Man, this, you hated Hartford. This was like a crowd that like, unfortunately, like really diminished, I think, the effects of some of the hard work uh, from, from the wrestling. And I don't even usually say that about a lot of like towns that don't give great reactions. But I thought that was the case here because I thought Chance and Carter did really well. You know, these two have been in the system for a long time and they were put into a big spot here on TV. First match with Ronda Rousey, and I thought they killed it. You know, I love the way the match was framed where you had sort of like the giants of the division and Ronda and Shayna kind of underestimating the two for their size. And then the two of them just completely dazzled, in my opinion, with like their acrobatic, like Lucha-inspired offense. I thought they looked great, both with their double-team timing and also individually with their own offense. I thought Shayna and Ronda were great as well. You know, their, their, their legitimacy, I think, really shines in this sort of tag-team setting, um, especially in these sort of short bursts where it's just like offense, offense, offense. The two of them, like, sort of like sharing arm duties, working over uh, uh, Carter's arm. Um, it was really good and actually gave me, like, new hope for the division. I, I think that you've got a great babyface tag team in Chance and Carter, and this is a division that uh, desperately needs the, a great babyface tag team to break through. So Bronson Reed runs into Ricochet, calling him lucky last week, and that the last time I ragdolled you, and yet you're in Money in the Bank and I'm not. So Ricochet explains how winning and losing works, and I won last week and you lost. Reed says, yeah, but I dominated Nakamura. And Nakamura walks in and says, yeah, but then I beat you. Reed says it'll be different next time. And then Ricochet congratulates Nakamura on winning last week, but I'm going to give you an L. This was a conversation that if I was a part of, I probably would have rammed my head into a wall um, being a part of. This sounded like the most uninspired um, three people having a conversation that they would never have. This is what happens when you have actors um, that aren't really actors. Some great depth here. A promo aired for Johnny Gargano, the ultimate underdog, a kid from Cleveland with a dream who traveled the world living that dream and then was told there was no place for him here and yet came back and became the face of that brand in reference to NXT. Now he is a staple of Raw. I don't know if he is a staple of Raw. He's part of Raw. I don't know if he's a staple of Raw. Yeah, he's on maybe like, you know, like 20% of the time. They underestimate me, but I work tirelessly and the Johnny Gargano story is just getting started. Good video package overall, you know, nice reintroduction. I thought the video packages like this week actually as of late have been good. And I wonder if there's any sort of change that's facilitated that. Ricochet and Shin. Uh, Ricochet hit the Fosbury flop. They went through the commercial break. And then after Ricochet hit the recoil, it stopped the Kinshasa. And then they fight on the turnbuckle when Ricochet starts pointing. And there's Bronson Reed, who's just made his way out here. He attacks them both, 809, and lays out both guys, including a tsunami to Ricochet. Um, Nothing. I mean, you know, this in itself, I thought was like on paper, a really strong match. First time meeting between a uh, single meeting, I should say, between Shinsuke Nakamura and Ricochet. Um, 
like in a new Japan setting, this this could have been amazing. But on Raw, I mean, really was just a match, really just kind of like a backdrop for Bronson Reed to come in and, and collectively to remind you about the money in the bank that's about to happen with all three of these. Could you see Reed? I guess we, we've had this conversation. If they have a, I, I, it almost feels like they're trying to get Reed back into this match. Maybe he could challenge one of these guys for their spot. Wait, isn't Reed's not in it? You're right. No, Shit. Reed yeah. lost to Nakamura. So, so I feel like they, they might do like a last chance thing. Um, or maybe this is just. He could, be, he could beat Nakamura to get in there. Like, I, Reed makes a lot more sense in that match to me than Nakamura. Well, he wouldn't beat Nakamura. Like, I meant a last chance thing with all the losers. Yeah, and then you get, like, a seventh guy in there. Because they've yeah, got the qualifiers maybe. announced. So, anyway. Otis is with Gable and Maxine. Um, I don't know what's going on here. They're going to teach Maxine how to wrestle, essentially. Um, because she ran away from Valhalla. And uh, alphas don't do that. So, they are training her for the Viking lady. And Otis is reading Viking literature. Yeah, um, I don't think this is nearly as interesting now. Now that Maxine is like fully on board with like you know the, this Alpha Academy, I thought I thought it was far more interesting when she was trying to take Otis away. I think it would have been the most interesting if Otis ended up joining the Maximum Male Models, but now it's just like Maxine as part of the Alpha Academy, um, and I just don't really see the tension. I don't see the interest, but you're also not even doing something where otis seems all that interested in maxine because if if you had been doing this um like otis like has his crush on her it does open the door for for like that's gable's turn it's like him and maxine end up getting together and that's the the pairing coming out of this gable and maxine yeah maybe you sound riveted i just don't yeah i mean it's 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 where else is this going are we just going to do um, this forever? The shoosh, sure. I guess. Ms. TV, he brings out Cody Rhodes and notes, you look dashing tonight and asks, are you stupid challenging Brock Lesnar again? And Cody refers to him as Mike and Ms. corrects him and they lead a chant of Mike states that Lesnar is on his annual hibernation. We're not going to see him for, for some time. So Ms. has a surprise guest. It's Dominic and Rhea. And Dominic gets heavily booed, but not Don Callis level. This was Hartford of all places. And Ripley refers to him as her Latino heat. And he calls Cody a little birdie with a broken wing. But he's realized Cody is a bad father. You should be at home with your baby girl. But you're a deadbeat dad, just like Ray. And Cody mocks his jail stint of 15 minutes and says, your prison tattoo is even worse than my prison tattoo. Hmm. Yeah, nice. Self-deprecating humor. That's well, good. People were decoding this. Was was he referring to his prison stay as his last occupation or his last uh, company he was part of? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think he meant it that way either. Please. But nonetheless, that's what you he said. You're looking too deep. Oh, dude, what do you think this audience? Well, is? I would like he he said he's said nothing but great things about his time in AEW. He uses it in his in, in WWE promos. I mean, like, he did why, say here, uh, like my time in prison. Like he, did yeah, but, but why, like what would lead somebody tag. to? Sure, but what would lead somebody to think? I mean, he's joking because it's on his neck. It looks like something that somebody would get in prison. That's, That's how I took thing. Yeah, yeah. And he says, "Listen, I know Ray isn't perfect. He's made mistakes. In fact, I'm looking at one of them, which was a good line." Dominic goes to leave, but then he sneaks up from behind and he slaps Cody. He doesn't punch him; he slaps him. And then runs behind Rhea. Dude, Dominic was awesome here. And he leaves calling Cody a deadbeat. And then the Miz is laughing. So Cody knocks him out with the cast. So they let Cody get in the last uh, the last strike. Um, 
I left this segment thinking, listen, um, we, we saw the, the observer report and that if, if you believe that Cody and Lesnar is earmarked for SummerSlam and you've got to get through money in the bank and keep this guy mm-hmm. away from the title, uh, this is not the worst option for London. I think uh, it's, a, it's a red hot crowd that will love Cody and detest Dominic. I think for, for a month, this is a great detour for Cody and, um, and then Brock mm-hmm. comes back and you go to SummerSlam in August. I think it's a fantastic choice for the both of them. You know, you have somebody like a Dominic Mysterio who's a really rare type of heel that can guarantee a negative reaction just by simply appearing. And it would be fine to like, you know, continue to use them on TV for these sort of like undercard things, but why not use it? in a main event program with the biggest star in the company. And I, I think it's, I think it's great. I think as a one month long feud, it's absolutely perfect. You know, the two of them have these, this sort of second generation tie in that, that definitely makes sense. And, but beyond that, they're two of the hottest comp- characters in the entire company. So I thought Cody had some pretty strong lines here. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Will um will the UK audience forgive Cody though for his big uh program that he had a few years ago against uh the boxer? <laughs> Remember? But yeah, you, Anthony you Agogo. money here in the US. Yeah, Agogo. Um I don't think so. I th- I think he'd be cheered pretty well. Does Brandy make an appearance to be in do- uh Cody's corner with with his daughter? He brings his daughter to London because he's a great father. Um, I don't know, but I, I just meant to, um, you know, oppose Rhea. Yeah, you could have you could have backup for Cody. So it's, it's a reason to introduce Brandy potentially. So anyway, I, I like this idea. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a solid idea for Money in the Bank. Zoe Stark against Natalia in our next qualifying match. Trish Stratus is in the corner. Uh, this match not good. Um, there was a leapfrog out of the corner, and Natalia tweaks her knee, and then Trish points it out. Uh, after Stark hits a super kick and Natalia gets the sharpshooter. Zoe fights to the rope. Dude, there were crickets um, reacting to this match. Stark goes to the floor and Natalia kicks her coming out. And then it's Trish with the cheap shot to the knee um, that the ref misses. And then Stark hits the Z360. And when I say hit, I mean attempted to because this did not land well. And Stark gets the win in 351, but a dead crowd. And I did not think this was a very inspiring match either. I thought technically, like they looked fine together. If in fact even good, I think they're two of the t- stronger technical wrestlers in the company. But um, the finish is tough. Like p- people are going to have difficulties taking that thing. Um, and th- this the Z three sixty. It's just the timing is like you right. have to have the timing really well. Like we've even seen it with like the GTH. Sometimes it's you know right. it's you yeah. Know, I, I, but in terms of like crowd response, these two never stood a chance. This no, was like was what, silent. in the third hour. Um, you know, you're talking about like Natalia, who's sort of like a perennial undercard wrestler at this point, and Zoe Stark, who's a brand new project. So I would not say this was like you sh- could not hold this against Zoe Stark in any way. She's too new to be able to survive Hartford. Yeah, in this crowd, I mean, they knew Indusheer was coming up. They were excited, so they just wanted to get moving. Paul Heyman invites everyone to SmackDown. This is where Jay Uso will make his historic choice, but it's not going to be good news. It will rip the family dynasty apart because Jay will choose his brother, Solo. And you can share a womb with your twin brother, but you will never be closer than you are with the tribal chief. Jay Uso will acknowledge that fact this Friday or else. So that is the big hook for SmackDown, and we will see what carryover they can get after that 
gigantic audience last Friday. In this year against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, I was actually surprised they aired, they showed this graphic going to break um, for free. Like usually this would have been like in this year in action uh, next, yeah. but um, the match doesn't even take place. Shelton Benjamin just vanished after he was tossed out of the ring. He just took off. He's like, I'm done with this. And Cedric takes their finisher twice and had to choke and cough forever as uh, these two just prayed for a longer segment next time. Jeez, like I, I really don't know like why they would do things like this. My only explanation is that maybe this was supposed to go a bit longer and they had to cut this for time. And so they decided to just do like a little non-match um instead but yeah God. yeah because we didn't have enough time for seth and damien here at the end that went forever well like i mean in this year are known for doing these squash matches anyway so if you had enough time to do this beat down why not just ring the bell and th- get the damn squash over with instead the match next week oh fuck we would, who's this is storytelling way who could be interested in can't in give this. away the ending now I mean, this is worse. Like, look at like they beat the shit out of these two. How would anybody be interested in a rematch? Beyond that, I don't know what the insistence is on these guys posing so damn much. Like every time they hit a big move, they put their hands together. They got to do this. They've got to thank, you know, for this power that they've been graced with. Oh, and they they have to do that in front of the hard camera, like robots. This is how you do it at church. You always look at the hard cam. The whole thing just makes them look so silly. It makes them look stupid. Okay, if you're in this year. You came all this way. You got dressed up in your robes, okay? You got oiled up, whatever you have to do. You got warmed up in the back. What, just to come out here and get yourself, like, a non-payday, a non-win bonus by having the match not start? How is this smart for the business? Yeah, and then the ref waved it off. I was like, what are you waving off? There's no match. Exactly. They lost out. Didn't didn't think too deeply about this. Jinder Mahal is a poor manager, obviously. And then the uh, last, like, 23 minutes of the broadcast are Seth Rollins and Damian Priest. And uh, this thing went 22 minutes. Uh, I did not feel it needed to go 22 minutes. It felt like we had our our hot five-minute ending, but this was a lot of just, um, I don't know, whether it was the, the crowd or just um, the whole presentation. I thought that this it, this dragged a lot for me for, like, the first, like, half of the match uh we go through various commercial breaks rollins ascends to the top to hit the superplex then powers through for the falcon arrow and hits a three suicide dives and then the frog splash for a two count priest comes back he hits the blunt force trauma of la knights and uh, this is just called a, a headlock driver by Corey graves and then Priest hits a Rana off the top to Seth Rollins, and it's Rollins countering with the pedigree, but it's a delayed cover, only getting a two count. Rollins then clips the knee and lifts up Damian Priest and power bombs him into the barricade. And the way Damian Priest came down, man, this was a this looked like a rough landing for him. And he's selling the shoulder. Balor shows up and he gets super kicked. And into the ring goes Rollins, and he takes the south of heaven. And Priest is looking at Balor, saying, why are you here? And he goes for the razor's edge. The shoulder gives out, and he gets hit with the rolling elbow and a stomp. Seth retains in 21.55 and has the stare down with Finn Balor, which I don't know if you have anyone else ready for Seth Rollins. So if if this ends up being money in the bank, I could see it happening. Because it's the UK, I I could see it too. I think it makes sense for Ballard. But man, if that was the intent, I think they sure did a man rough job of like 
booking him, him tonight. Up. He felt like such an afterthought here, you know, not just in the opening segment, getting sort of dunked on by both, both like by, by Rollins, but with pre-setting Rollins up. Um, I also think to like in the run-in into interference, it just kind of came in, got knocked out like like a real chump. So we'll see. It f- definitely feels more like a TV title defense, but um, Money in the Bank, you know, does sort of make sense as well for Balor. I mean, I watched this match with like by zipping through the commercial, so hopefully, like that that probably took a bit of the drag out of me. I thought it was a strong match. In fact, like this is why you created the belt, right? You know, so that you can add a bit of luster to these like Seth Rollins. TV matches, which for a long time have really been the most dependable part of the show. Now, you know, you're just kind of putting some branding on it and making it for something. I like the fact that they, you know, called back to the Falcon Arrow spot last week where Priest was able to counter it this week. Rollins was able to recounter it. Uh, also, the Finn buckle bomb spot, of course, that which led to the shoulder injury to prevent Priest from winning. Um, but the biggest story might be the, the Priest and Balor descent that they've been teasing. Yeah. And Maybe that gives a little insight over last week's ending of not wanting to beat Balor if they do have him plugged in for money in the bank. But to that, I would argue, to me, the the fall guy could have been AJ for Priest to beat AJ. And that sets up your match next week. If you don't want to beat Rollins and you don't want to beat Balor and you don't want to beat Damian Priest, to me, AJ was the most expendable. But I mean, ultimately, did they really get uh, penalized for Seth beating Priest other than it was silly for him to challenge for the title the next week. Yeah, I guess they just unless they the announcers make a point to like emphasize it. I get the sense we they are expecting their audience not to remember match results from like the week prior. So what you're saying is they could have beat Rousey and Baszler tonight and been fine. They could sure they could do anything fine. Yeah. Hey, uh, another thing is, uh, so uh, a lot of photos coming out afterwards with uh, Priest shaking Rollins' hand, so clearly like teasing some Damien Priest baby face turn coming out of all this as well. If I have one request for these title matches, especially if they're a regular occurrence on television, I wish Kevin Patrick would identify it as the working man's title like 10 more times than he already does. I think that could be utilized way more than the 50 that he already shouldn't it just be like you know this like uh uh construction um tool belt instead then that you know what we should find out how how many uh social media views does does this clip get next week or over the next week is it gonna be a million yeah yeah i doubt it rain should be he should come out and say yeah you can be the working man's champion i'm the drawing champion (laughs) yeah so there, there was some very good wrestling on, on this show. It was not a great crowd in Hartford, to say the least. But, man, that Kevin Owens and uh, Gunther match, go out of your way to watch that. I thought it was one of the better WWE TV matches in some time. Very good. I thought it was a strong debut for Chance and Carter. Um, and uh, Money in the Bank. Did they – no qualifiers. Oh, wait, we, did we no, have – We any- had the two qualifiers. Right. Zoe Stark is in and Becky Lynch is in. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, they – instead of having a singles match between those two, incorporate that story into the ladder match. And, mm-hmm. frankly, these Money in the Bank matches, they need some star power. So, having Becky and Zoe in the women's match, it, it helps that match. Yeah, agree. Okay. We will uh, go over to Super Chats, questions, feedback, wherever you would like to go. Uh, we do have yeah. some feedback here from the forum. Hey, if you watch live every single Monday, Wednesday, if you're a cafe patron every Friday at youtube.com slash post wrestling, you can join us live 
get the reviews right after the show airs. And if you happen to be around, you have the ability to jump the line with our feedback sec- section by sending us a super chat. And uh, we want to thank those of you who did that today because they include teach them to Dougie who sends a $2 super chat. Thank you, Dougie. He says collision main event to be announced Wednesday predictions. I, I said it before. I would I would certainly lean towards MJF defending the title on that first collision. But I mean, like you look at this roster, there are many many options of where you could go with that. But I would I would do something big. Like it tells you number one, there is this belief that you know with MJF that you know he never ever does rampage, and it's like right off the bat, it tells you like this is a big deal. Not only are you getting a title match, it's an MJF title match on the non Dynamite show. Um, that, that, that's where I would go, but I, there's many, there's many good directions to go for that first one. You want something big. And I feel like MJF is something big without doing something. And well, that's something big. Does that something big need to involve CM Punk in a wrestling match? Not on show number one. No, I think Punk just being there speaking for the first time. That's the draw for that first one. You're just watering it down by not, not watering it down, but that, that could be another time. Like his first match should be. In all honesty, they should hold off on that for as long as they can. Before so, what, what's the update on ticket sales? And, and curious to know, like what what you think, like their aims would be at this point. Chicago's but, at eight thousand. Like it's 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 a it's a good number for. Is know, it good for the United Center? Um, I mean, it can be higher. Obviously, they they put in more people in the United Center, but eight thousand is not an embarrassment for the United Center, and I still think they will. They will move more tickets. They moved a thousand tickets this week with Punk, and I think they will hope that they will get some kind of bump this week with this match announcement, and hopefully mm-hmm. that that final couple of days, once Collision is taking form, that they can move some more tickets as well. Well, I guess in my mind, I'm just thinking, what is what is the type of match that would draw uh, like an uh, like a decent addition, you know, to that number uh, for United Center in Chicago. I just wonder if there's any pressure on on their end to want to consider putting Punk in a wrestling match. I would agree that the, I think the best move would be to delay it until either pay per view or even like all in. Well, that might be too far, but such somewhere for, further down the line. But I could at least see the thinking and the temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like quite honestly, it's it's the follow up collisions that very much need something. Like again, United Center, it's a very respectable number. Like, no one's going to call that a failure. But at this point, like, Toronto and Hamilton, like, those are very bad numbers that they are at. Like, Hamilton is still under 800 people. Um, yeah. Toronto is under 1,500. I'm curious to know if there's any uh, New Japan involvement, you know, with the go-home show before, uh, well, a week, I, sh- I should say, before Forbidden Door. Um, I, 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 It's hard to predict the main event, you know, really to kind of take your pick. There's really so much. Um, but is it all hands on deck or are we starting with the soft split? You think um, for that for that first show, I would I would want as many of your big stars as, as possible. But mm-hmm. that would mean the elite. And I I don't know if you're going to have them on that first show. God, that would be silly. Really? Like there's more than one lo- like change room in the back, you know? I mean, like, wait, they, that's like, like the whole that's one of the main I functions of this so show silly. is like this idea that we, we, it's got to be separate. I'm only to bet like the elite have to be on, but you know what? Who knows? You're right. All right. We'll find out tomorrow. Thank you, Dougie. He also sends $5 to say, if you guys could book money in the bank, contestants finish and cash in with the current WWE roster, how would each of you book it? 
How would that's I mean, that's that's maybe too big of a question for us to answer here, nor, nor do we have the time to really kind of like map out a money in the bank match um, from scratch. But OK, if you could pick somebody from the roster to give the money in the bank to right now, let's say the men's, who would you pick on the men's side? I mean, so so who's qualified so far? We have Ricochet, Nakamura and LA Knight. Then- and LA Knight. Um, I, I could certainly see Knight winning. Um, you know, he's mm-hmm. someone that for, for that night will get a, a very big reaction. And now that you've introduced the non Roman Reigns champion, there's more of a believability like LA Knight. If this were a year ago, like that's what Austin Theory had to run into. There was no believability of this person cashing in and thus he did it on the U.S. champion. Right. So you're saying LA Knight would go for Seth Rollins championship and that would be a bit believable. I would think so, unless you just okay. want to have this guy get like run over by Roman Reigns, which yeah. like what, what's the value there? I suppose in my head, I'm trying to think like who else would even be in the match at this point. I think Gargano has a really good chance of at least being in, in the match. Um, and uh, Honestly, like L.A. Knight, as much as I think he has going for him, like the, the age does work against him. Like this is someone that, you know, you don't have 10 years in. And that's why I look at Grayson Waller as a better alternative of someone that is going to be hopefully around for a decade plus. And he is someone that could win this briefcase and really establish himself for months before you're even getting to the cash in stage. And this could really establish himself with a, with a key storyline tool. Who's in the qualifying matches on Friday, not Grayson Waller. So he's sort of out of it, but he was one when the, when we were first like looking at these matches, he was someone that I got out of me. Butch and Corbin and then Santos versus Ali. So Santos Escobar. I think Santos will be in that one. And I think Butch as well. Although yeah. Corbin, you can, you know, you, you like it's, uh, for, it's for, for, for London. I think you want Butch. True. In, in that right. one. Corbin does not need to be in the match. Are either of them options to win? You'll have a hotter crowd than usual for a butch, but no, I I, I really yeah, don't see him winning. Like this, this lineup, it is like a ricochet or a LA Knight. Um, like it's really they can honestly put it on anyone. No one to me screams like this is the person that it is like this um, this long term play that could be a real great um, elevation. Yeah, they, they badly need a Yoda Suji. They need somebody that, that is seen as like this future can't miss star that's. Hasn't quite made it yet, but everyone it sees as being that breakout star. I don't love like babyface, you know, money in the bank wins, but I, I do think like uh, Johnny Gargano is somebody who kind of needs that extra push, you know, especially if like they think his ceiling might be further than just, you know, where, where it's at. The fact that he got a video introduction tells me that they do have big plans for him. I think he'd be a good choice. I think if Bronson Reed somehow makes it in, I think he'd be a good choice as well. Is there a logic gap that they have not explained why Cody is not in a qualifier? Do you feel they need to explain hmm. that? Should they explain that? Yeah, I think that was. You can't tell me coming off a loss to Brock has uh, disqualified him in the tournament that has Baron Corbin. Well, where's he? Why doesn't he want to finish the story? Well, that's the whole point here is that Mm -hmm. it's he is not ever addressed money in the bank. So he did lose, okay, to Brock. A lot of people have lost that are true. Yeah. when was the last time Baron Corbin won? Well, the explanation should be like he's so like caught up with Brock right now. He wants to end Brock before he could focus on the championship. But I mean, but that has not been said. In yeah. Fact, last no, year, right. last year when he had the torn peck, he said he still wanted to go to money in the bank and then set the tax him on raw to take him out of that. This guy was going to go in with one arm last yeah. year. No, I, I think it, it should be mentioned. 
Thank you, Teach Him to Dougie. Uh, he also sends a, another $5 super chat. Thank you so much for the support, Teach Him to Dougie. Uh, do you know how to Dougie? Don't. I don't know. Do you need to be taught? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Rob McDonald also sends a super chat. He asks or says, Omega and Page versus Mox and Danielson for the first collision. Is that a big enough match for a first collision? Um, that's a that that's a fairly big match. Um, billing like an Omega Page reunion tag team match. Yeah, I think it's it's decent. Is could it you, a, could, is is Omega and Takeshita out of the realm of possibility? That's strong too. Again, like I'm trying to like these sort of with these sort of announcements, I think the aim will always be to try to like motivate ticket sales, especially for a show like this. And is that are, are either of those matches the type of matches that would motivate tickets ticket sales to a considerable degree? Yeah. Um. And and as well, like like a big audience as well, like that is right. ultimately what this is going to be judged on that 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 first week. Um, yeah, you could go with the, the tag. I I think they really want to put something out that's going to have that that wow factor to it. And mm-hmm. and the question becomes like, how how big do you go at, at, at that point? Like you do have this story of Kenny Omega just going to Japan. Like that kind of uh, has to need. How about, Omega, how about Omega and Okada teaming up, or maybe even a Golden Lovers reunion? I mean, I I think all that's on the table right now. You know, with this, like you do have to do explain this this trip to Japan mm-hmm. and and where he went, or yeah. and what the purpose of it was, because he wasn't at the Minion, and certainly that would seem like story. But again, that brings into question like the you know the, <laughs> the whole elite that, side. We have a few more weeks of announcements left so maybe Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega will make a major announcement will be the uh, two weeks from now. Uh Rob McDonald also sends uh, another super chat to ask what are the chances Gunther enters and wins money in the bank. I would say pretty small. He seems to be tied with Owens and Zane for this pay-per-view cycle. So Agreed. I I could see Gunther and Zane maybe at money in the bank or I think we also figured out like Gunther um, like is en route to be, like matching or at least beating like a honky tonk's reign um, like what come Survivor Series or something like that. Well, right? I promise you they're going to be doing championship celebrations after last Friday oh, yeah. for all of yeah. these big numbers. So I wouldn't expect Gunther to leave like the IC title until that happens. So, yeah, I don't think he needs it either. Uh, OK, thank you so much, Rob McDonald. Let's go lastly to Jake who sends us a $5 super chat. Thank you, Jake. He says, you guys are right to not do the collision review. Even for fans, it's just way too much out there. Sorry, but more isn't always a great thing. Well, certainly more of the two of us is not always a great thing because I think, you know, um, we have a lot of great voices on our roster and um, a lot of people that I'm I'm wanting to, uh, you know, um, showcase uh, to our audience a, a whole lot more, especially people that watch the stuff even closer than certainly I do. I don't know about John, but we have a lot of very capable people here, and uh, I'm very excited to actually announce who will be hosting this new Collision Review. All right. Thank you, everyone, for the Super Chats. Muggin chimes in. Putting aside the fact that he's got pinned in a tag match last week, Damian Priest came through with another consistent effort against Rollins for the world title. Sure, the lack of suspense over the outcome didn't help, but Priest taking issue with Finn Balor appearing does was an interesting development. I bet the direction is Rollins and Balor in London. Gunther against Owens was an awesome pay-per-view level match, and it was for free. They bodied it, and the finish leaves the door open for a rematch when the time is right. Chance and Carter had a strong showcase, and the two Money in the Bank qualifiers pushed the Trishy, the Trish-Becky story forward. Strong episode all around. Does Brock work London or not? Um, I think not. Um, I don't think Brock is not... Um, He's in hibernation, as Cody said. He's in hibernation, which is um, the first year. Yeah, that's he's not making that flight. Are you kidding me? He did. He's not going over unless it's Saudi Arabia. I guess that's that's the flight for him each year. Uh, No, I think Brock probably misses that show and then is 
in Detroit for August. Yeah. Detroit's close to Saskatchewan, isn't it? Um, it's close enough. Sure. Hmm. Let us uh, wrap up on that note. Um, Tuesday night. Up next, we'll be live at 10.15 Eastern with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. And uh, Tuesday night has the number one contenders battle royal for a future shot at the NXT women's title. Mustafa Ali takes on Joe Gacy. The Creeds and Ivy Nile against the Dyad and Ava in action. Eddie Thorpe against Danny Kemp or Damon Kemp and Blair Davenport taking on Danny Palmer. So that will be Blair Davenport's first match since September, as she just returned. So that is coming up uh, on Tuesday night. And for Dynamite, so far, we've got Orange Cassidy and Swerve Strickland. Will there be a title change? I'm going to say yes. Ricky Starks against Jay White. A Texas Tornado match with Jack Perry and Hook against Preston Vance and Dralistico. MJF will speak. And so will Tony Khan with his announcement of the collision main event so that is coming up over the next two nights so again wednesday night we'll be live at 10 5 p.m eastern after dynamite and then as soon as we're done that we hop on over to the post wrestling cafe and we will be chatting dark side of the ring with shattered the magnum ta story so look out for that and that is it for us thanks to everyone for tuning in go on over postwrestlingcafe.com or you can subscribe at video.postwrestling.com and get in on all of the bonus fun that is it for rewind to raw Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.